Kia ora Victoria McLennan toko ingoa. Welcome to Bridging the Gap, a podcast that celebrates diversity here in Aotearoa, New Zealand's digital technology industry. I'm the CEO of IT Professionals, Te Pō Hangarau Nayo. From developers to programmers, product managers to designers, this field is filled with a wide range of individuals who bring unique perspectives and skills to their mahi. Join us as we delve into the stories and experiences of those who strive to bridge the gap and foster a more inclusive and thriving digital technology community here in Aotearoa, New Zealand. Today I'm here with Bronwyn Scott. Kia ora, Bronnie. Kia ora. Nice to see you. Where are you today? Uh, I'm working out of a really cool office, a uh, shared office space in Autotahi Christchurch called Millworks. It's in Eddington. Nice. And you're in one of their little soundy booth things, eh? Yeah, so. yeah. It's it's like a fishbowl, actually. <laughs> Oh, cool. Oh, that's good, because I know how noisy that office can be. Yeah, there's lots of rowdy people doing some good work here. Now, I thought before we kick into it, we should let our listeners know that you and I have worked together for the last 10 years. So this is um, a different familial kind of relationship that we have, I guess. Yeah, yeah, we've been on each other for a long time. Yeah, and lots of things have changed. So let's let's kick into that and talk about that a bit. So the first thing that I ask people to do is give our listeners a bit of an elevator pitch or barbecue pitch, whatever you want to call it, on who you are and what you do in the digital technology industry. Oh, I can do that. Um, So I help tamariki and rangatahi, children and young people, to be prepared for their future. Uh, I'm the general manager of Digital Future Aotearoa, a charity providing free digital technologies, education and access to devices. We have a focus on encouraging young people from being passive consumers of technology to active creators and innovators so they're able to have more choices as they move through life. As you know, I'm the chair of that charity, so probably works for me in this capacity. And I think that this, you know, this is stuff that's so dear to my heart and I'm so passionate about and I know that you're really really passionate about it as well this mahi the closing the digital divide and helping young people realize the success has it been um I've got a little bit off script but has it been different than you expected in the last couple of years you've been doing this um yes and but yeah, it has. Um, it's been really cool to kind of um, to really find more about my why. Um, yeah, and I know that's one of your questions in in a bit, but um, yeah, it's it's nice to to be part of a co-papa that um, empowers the next generation and and does that by focusing on people uh, who come from backgrounds similar to to me um, who might not have been able to have those opportunities um, just because of their circumstance. Well, the next thing I do ask you is about how you came to get here at this phase in your career and what you did before this. 
And I know, because you've worked for me for the last 10 years, you've had a lot of different jobs and done a lot of different things. So maybe a little paraphrasing of the journey would be great. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I have done some random stuff. Um, I actually first started out um, as a pilot. Uh, I grew up in a little town called Bridgepar, which is just outside of Hastings. Uh, and in Bridgepar, there's a couple of marae. There's a church, um, there's an airfield, and there's a prison. And it's surrounded by uh, orchards and, and grapes. Um, so, yeah, I, I was looking up at the sky all the time as a kid and being like, wow, can I do that? And the answer was yes, yes, I can. Um, so when I, I could fly a plane before I could drive a car. Wow. Um, yeah, it was pretty funny getting dropped off by my parents at the airfield to go on my flying lessons. Um, yeah, so that that was kind of where I started, and I I moved through through that um, that pathway, uh, and then I was working as an aviation law lecturer for a while, uh, and then the GFC hit, so I needed to transition out of aviation because there were no jobs. Um, so I took the that kind of transferable skill that I had in, in law and contract management and um, ended up working for a government department looking after their ICT contracts, which tech was a whole new field for me. Um, but the, the law side of things wasn't. Uh, and ever since then, I've been working as a, a non-technical person in the tech industry. Uh, and most of that is in an operations role at Optimal BI, which is where we work together. Um, and, and now more recently where I am at DFA. You know, it's been interesting for you as a non-technical person and thus hit really technical industry, I know, and you've had some interesting challenges that you've faced learning to work with people in this industry. Can you tell us a bit about how you've overcome some of what those challenges were and how you've overcome some of them? I think the biggest challenge for me to overcome was imposter syndrome and that's something that plagued me through my flying career as well. Um, I mean <laughs> imposter syndrome is a hard one um, but I, I think I'm happy to say that I've mostly kicked that out the door now uh, in my current role. And there's three reasons for that. And one of them is because there's just no time for it. <laughs> um, and the second reason was a piece of advice that my predecessor actually um, shared with me and a couple of other people. And that is that everybody's making it up as they go. So why can't I? Um, and then the third wit was the fact that uh, the the team at DFA, our, our team members and our um, our board members, everybody's such a strong, strong team and a strong whanau. And working with them and having their support, um, for me, is something that just can't be topped. So that certainly helped me overcome that imposter syndrome from a personal perspective. Um, if you're thinking about kind of specifically challenges to do with digital technologies. Um, thinking that tech is too hard or confusing, that's that's a challenge that I, I've overcome. 
and would encourage other people to do as well. Um, because tech isn't hard and it isn't challenging. Anybody can do it. Um, you just need to figure out where your niche is and where you need to sit in that whole ecosystem that is tech. There's loads of options out there for people um, in the tech sector that can play to your strengths and it doesn't have to be in a technical role. You know, I've been working in tech for 10 years in a non-technical role. Um, they do exist. You just need to kind of be open to, to the idea of working in the tech sector and remove that kind of stigma of thinking that it's something that's too hard or something that nerds do that sit in basements. And then that kind of leads nicely into my next question about diversity, right? And all of the mahi that you do is helping move us as a nation towards a more diverse digital technology industry and workforce. So in, in your experience, why is diversity important? Because it makes us smarter. I think that's pretty much all it comes down to. If we have... A diverse, a diverse workforce, if we have diversity anywhere, everything that diversity represents makes us smarter. Um, we see points of views or experience things that aren't part of our normal life, which help make us better people. Um, you meet people who can teach you techie things or other strategic things or whatever that you can learn from. Um, so diversity makes us smarter. Um, Diversity is also important from an equity perspective. You know, there's some people that have been left out from participating in certain aspects of life or have had reduced opportunities through unconscious bias, discrimination or systemic issues. Um, diversity makes us smarter on the whole. We need to support others so that they're able to actively participate. Um, I mean, it would be, it's a prime opportunity for, for me to talk about um, you know, if, if you're interested in the diversity uh, aspect of life, then there's things that you can do to get involved with um, that can align with yours or your company's values. Um, seek them out, check them out, get involved. Yeah. And if I can recommend Digital Future, I'll do it all then. I think I've done my job. Or, <laughs> or even come and talk to us and we yeah. can help people navigate to somewhere that they can can best um, provide support and resources, right? So Absolutely. We navigate yeah. yeah, yeah. And that's where like Decker's role sits in there as well. But anybody that's involved in that digital equity landscape, they'll be more than happy to point you uh, yeah. in, in the direction of something that aligns with your values. Um, so you can get, get, and get involved and be part of it because it does need everybody to, to get involved. If you're an IT professional or aspiring to be one, we encourage you to check us out as New Zealand's only digital technology industry body who is focused exclusively on the people who work in this industry. We provide a range of resources, events and networking opportunities to help you grow your career and stay up to date with the latest trends and technologies. Visit our website at itp.nz or flick us an email, info at itp.nz. You've talked a bit about how you know you're finding your why, um, and and how passionate you are about this mahi. So, what was the moment or the situation that made you think, yes, this is for me. This is where I belong. 
Yeah, I'm a bit of a drifter, eh? Um, I'm one of those people that I don't really have a life plan, you know, where people go, oh, where do you see yourself in five or ten years' time? I don't know. I don't have the answer to that question. Um, but I take the opportunities that make sense to me when they come across, when I come across them or they come across me. Um, and that's kind of what happened with Digital Future Aotearoa. Um, so that role's definitely solidified my foundation of why that's kind of been floating around in my unconscious mind for years. And it, that goes back to when I started my flying career as a flying instructor. You know, I spent years teaching people how to fly and sharing that knowledge and being there with, when something clicks is just such an awesome feeling. Um, and I get to have that in my DFA mahi, but it's with a different twist because we're equity focused. So seeing and hearing those aha moments where concepts click for kaiako and akonga, so it's teachers and learners, um, or getting feedback from people who are gifted a recycler device laptop about the difference that a simple thing like having that laptop means to them. Those moments, um, those moments when they happen for kids who grow up on the wrong side of the tracks like I did, that's my why, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. So awesome, thank you. So for those young people out there who are considering a future job in the digital technology space, or for anyone who's in a different career who thinks they want to retrain and move into this, what I call, wonderful industry, which even though it has its quirks, what's a piece of advice that you could give them? Um, I have a few bits of advice uh, to share. The first one is to just start. Uh, if you're thinking about it, stop thinking and just just start. Perhaps you could start with finding your people. Um, so they could be like advisors for pathways or just people to connect with who can then point you in the right direction. Um, the tech word is a big one with endless possibilities and you don't have to be a ninja coder to work in tech. Um, and another piece of advice that I'd like to share is just kind of general you know, um, and I often tell people this and that it's the best piece of advice that I've ever received. And it's quite simple. It's two words. All it is, is be open. Be open to opportunities. Be open to change. Be open to, to anything that comes your way. And I can testify that you have always been because I I threw you in the deep end here, didn't I? And just one day, yeah. oh, by the way, can you, yeah. can you step into this role and run the charity, please? How about that? Yeah. <laughs> so it's definitely held you in good stead. Yeah, it, it certainly has. All right, I'm going to skip to asking you my gnarly question, which is if you could invent something to solve a wicked problem, what problem would you want to solve? Equity. Yeah, I think I think definitely equity. The the more that I'm involved in in that equity co-papa, the more that I realise how gnarly it actually is. Um and and 
and how that there's a lot of people out there who aren't able to be part of a fair society because that fair society doesn't exist for them. Um, and quite honestly, if you can't see that unfairness, you need to look harder because it's there. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. I might pull that out as a quote. Thank you for that. So at this point, I usually ask people about what the exciting things happening in the industry are and what they think has the potential to change the face of the industry. I'm going to change that slightly and ask you about, because you know, you're running an education charity and offering programs for Tamariki to, to learn about digital technology, if you could just give us a story or an example of something that um, you know, one of the programs that you're running or something that, that's going on that you'd like to share or a, a school you've been to and observations you've made or, um, you know, you I know you get around the country and you go to all of these fantastic classes and meet teachers and spend time in classrooms. So tell us about one of those. Yeah, uh, I've got a couple of um, ideas that come to mind of stories to tell. Um, the first one is uh, our Ōtautahi outreach program here in Ōtautahi Christchurch. Um, that's a side-along mentorship uh, program for kaiako teachers that's delivered in classroom and uh, in, in weekly sessions. Um, and the idea is that we're delivering it because teachers aren't equipped to deliver the digital technologies curriculum. So even though that it's a compulsory learning area, um, because teachers don't really have the skills or confidence to deliver it, there's a whole generation of tamariki who aren't learning those digital skills. Um, so we're tackling that in Christchurch, and it's going so well. Like there's there's a lot of a uh, lot of examples of uh teachers just having their aha moment but the ones that really get me are the um the situations where perhaps there's like a neurodiverse child in the classroom and you know there's preconceived ideas when we go into these classes that that child just will be will just choose not to participate or they'll be disruptive but actually those neurodiverse learners love learning how to code they can sit there, they can solve their problems, they can do it by themselves if they choose to, or they can participate uh, with a group. Um, we have teachers tell us that, uh, you know, if the child doesn't have their DT class that day, they they revert to their typical, typical behaviour patterns. But if they start their day with one of our outreach sessions, then their behaviour for the rest of the day is just amazing. And these kids going up to their teachers at, in breaks or, or wherever and being like, can I do some coding? And how cool is that? Where a kid walks up to their teacher, can I do some coding? And I think it's worth mentioning for people that this, you know, I just love hearing these stories, but it's worth mentioning that when we're talking about coding, when Bronnie's talking about coding here, she's not talking about sitting on your laptop at a green screen and writing lines and lines of code. We're talking about... Um, programming little robotic devices, all those Sphero balls that light up and you yeah. and you can program them to run around the classroom eh, and have different lights going. And um, it, it's really interactive, isn't it? 
Yeah, it really is. There's one program that I really love, which is like a Sea Week clean up the Moana um, project. And you you program these bee bots, these little robots, um, and you've got to you've got to like put them on a grid and send them towards a bit of rubbish um, that's represented in the in the ocean. That's really cool. So it's it's solving real world problems with digital technologies. Uh, and putting them in a context that that kids can understand from anywhere between new entrant and you can start new entrant like yeah five-year-olds are doing this yeah five-year-olds are coding yeah Yeah. that's so cool (laughs) thank you for that okay now we'll get on to my quick fire questions if you had to choose between having a robot assistant running around after you and picking things up, doing your chores, or an AI virtual assistant taking the pain out of your workload, which one would you pick and why? So I don't really trust AI, <laughs> which I'm sure you're not surprised to hear that. No, I'm not surprised to hear yes. that. <laughs> I know that it's awesome for some things and but evil can reign and big brother's watching so i don't want to have anything to do with that than i than i already do so my choice is to go for the robot assistant but my brother and i have always had this thing where we've always wanted like a mini elephant to be our pet so i would instead of us like cloning an elephant to become miniature and following us around i would like a mini elephant robot assistant Nice. The challenge is out there to everyone who makes robotic devices to create an elephant, mini elephant robot. Nice. How cool would that be? Rolling down the street with your mini elephant? Yeah. Okay, next question is, what's the best tech gadget in your life? Uh, My phone. And is that also your worst? Absolutely. No question about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I guess to that end, are you a doom scroller or are you a shut it all down person? I do both. You can probably tell by the answer that I gave, eh? It's like, oh, yeah, it's the best, but then it's the worst. Put it in a box, forget about it, you know? Um, But I definitely doom scroll. And then I'm like, oh, got to stop that. And my final one of these quick-fire questions is, what makes you happy? Um, uh, we're just in the middle at the moment of having a whole lot of different family members visit. Um, and while it's crazy, uh, my happiness comes from that my family are actually really good people too. So, so it's crazy fun happy times when when we're surrounded by family um but also my dog milo he's the best (laughs) he joins us for yoga people (laughs) he's a very interactive dog isn't he he loves it yeah oh cool thank you for that now i leave this to be optional for other people but just to give us a plug about your work but not optional for you Bronnie. tell people how they can get hold of you, how they can learn more about Digital Future Aotearoa and our programs. Yeah, I mean, you've always got to take up the opportunity to plug, don't you? Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, head to our website, digitalfutureaotearoa.nz, check out all of our programs. Uh, we teach everybody to code. We get devices out to people who need them um, and a whole bunch of other things as well. You can get involved, just start there and, and look me up on LinkedIn as well. Nice. Hey, thank you for your time and I hope you have a fabulous weekend. Um, Kakite. Kakite. Kia pai tōra. Thank you for listening. Join me at the next episode of Bridging the Gap.